The Jeep Talk Show is sponsored in part by ExtremeTerrain.com, your Jeep Wrangler aftermarket authority for all your YJTJ, JK, and 2018 JL Wrangler parts. Extreme Terrain is a leader in providing accurate information and top-notch customer service for the hottest aftermarket Wrangler parts around. Visit ExtremeTerrain.com today and toughen up your rig for the trail with the best in the business. Stay tuned to this episode to learn more about your chance to win a mildly modified JL or a wildly modded JK Wrangler from ExtremeTerrain.com. This week's episode is also brought to you by Route 16 Off-Road. Veteran-owned and operated and community-focused brand Route 16 Off-Road works hard to get you the best deals possible on the parts and accessories you want. Let Route 16 help you find the next replacement part or upgrade. Check them out. Route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X dot com. And whether you are upgrading your Jeep suspension, swapping axles, changing trannies, or modifying your transfer case, one component of your Jeep almost always demands attention. That's the drive shaft. It's the critical link in your driveline and a sensitive one at that. A little off here, a little off there, and well, if you're not careful, you could find yourself in some big trouble somewhere you can least afford it. Well, this is why you should put your trust in the biggest name in drive shafts in the industry, Tom Woods. Just go to 4xshaft.com to find out more. That's 4xshaft.com. Episode 329, April 19th, 2018. You're listening to a 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Are you ready? It's the G-Talk Show. With G-Mama. Josh. And Tony. So sit back. Strap in. And brace yourself. Hey, Tammy, you want to take a bet on whether or not Josh has his Jeep done yet? Oh, yeah. (laughs) No way, Tony. I'm not, not, not taking that bet. Josh? I bet the both of you guys think that you are just (laughs) hilarious, don't you? We are. Well, our guest tonight may have something to say about these psychotic delusions you guys are having, as mental health expert Tanya Childers will be joining us to talk about the Jeep addiction and other things. Local Jeep news, national Jeep news, and news from around the world. It's This Week in Jeep. And This Week in Jeep is brought to you by Amazon.com. I know it seems like we've had a few more sponsors on board lately supporting the show. Well, you don't have to be a big company like those to show some love. The next time you shop online, consider using our link first, jeeptalkshow.com Amazon, where anything you buy using that link will have a small percentage given back to the Jeep Talk Show. Remember, if you want to show us a little love, well, use jeeptalkshow.com Amazon. And thanks in advance. Well, a Jeep JL test vehicle erupts in flames. It's been making automotive news all over the place this week. A Jeep JL Wrangler caught on fire at the FCA headquarters in Auburn Hills, Michigan. The silver JL Wrangler was sporting manufacturer plates, noted by the big M on the plates, which is consistent with a Jeep test vehicle. The Auburn Hills location is also home to the Chrysler Technology Center, where new vehicles and experimental automotive technologies are frequently tested. The Wrangler caught on fire, and the flames nearly engulfed the test jeep. FCA security rushed to the scene to secure the site, and the roads surrounding the burning Wrangler were shut down temporarily. 
two fire engines soon arrived to put out the blaze. At this time, the cause of the fire is unknown, although by the pictures that are saturating the web right now, it looks to have begun in the engine compartment. There have been no reported injuries other than the Jeep and some asphalt. Well, nothing else was damaged in the incident. Now, interesting that Jeep's team of men in black came out to secure the scene. I'm guessing that there were some unexplained flashes of light and nobody remembers anything. I, I don't know. Haha. <laughs> men in black. <laughs> so, that was you know, a good one. I'm thinking, uh, here's what I think that we should add to this story, Josh. Uh, after the flames uh, reached their zenith or their peak, Mike Manley flew to the scene and blew out the fire with a single strong breath. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Mike Manley. Yeah, that's uh, that's amazing. So why, you know, I just saw one picture. Did it look like to you that it was in front of, the, of FCA? I mean, where all could see. It just seems like this should be on a test track in a brown paper bag someplace where they're they're testing this was this. i mean for all intents and purposes right out in the view of everybody <laughs> and everything public streets people i mean and this was i mean it's not uncommon either i mean over the last couple of years we have talked at, at length about the jl before it was released and it all of its you know spy photos and the test shots that people were seeing and all that sort of stuff so in this area it's not uncommon for test vehicles to be out on the road. Now, okay. what is uncommon is for them to spontaneously <laughs> combust and erupt into flames. So, but what's even more strange is the response from Jeep getting like a special team of security out there, shutting down the roads and, and you know, surrounding areas. I mean, I can understand, okay, we block off a lane. Oh, okay, maybe we close and close this block, but closing down multiple roads around the area to keep things secret, secret, secret. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's some, you know, some big stuff going on over there, I think. You know, last weekend I did binge watch uh, the new Netflix original series, uh, Lost in Space. So I'll just say that before I mention this. I'm thinking they're trying to cover up alien technology because what would be better in a Jeep oh, but a, a, an engine that not only would uh, go forever without any other fuel, but also allow you to warp time and space? Now, this is in Auburn Hills, Michigan, not <laughs> New, New Mexico. Here we I was to say, we need to get Tony some, it's, some tinfoil. It's a good series, though. <laughs> It is. We actually just watched the final episode tonight. Did you? Yeah. I did all 10 last weekend. <laughs> and I was well, like, these guys, no. these guys may not be Jeepers, but they definitely get a big Jeep wave for doing the right thing. The Jeep had just left the Dollar General store on Highway 63 outside of Waterloo, Iowa, and was heading south when the driver noticed a light on the dash, warning her that a door was ajar. She pulled the Jeep off the highway onto the right-hand shoulder, stopped and turned on her hazard lights. And that's when nine-year-old Dylan exited the front passenger seat to close the back door. Now, that is at least according to the incident report that was filed after what happened next. Adam Hoffman was traveling south on U.S. Highway 63 and Logan Avenue around 3.35 p.m. when the Toyota minivan in front of him clipped a stopped Jeep compass on the side of the road. Veering to avoid the spray of debris and the minivan careening across the lanes and into a field, he was shocked to see that the Jeep had just been struck, rolled over, onto nine-year-old Dylan, oh, trapping man. him. Hoffman had another passing motorist, uh, Hoffman and another passing motorist, Joe Edwards of Waterloo, immediately stopped to lend help. When Joe ran up to the scene, he realized what had happened. We got to get this off of him, he said. Joe and Adam ran over and pushed the Jeep with their bare hands back onto its wheels, freeing the young boy. We just tipped the vehicle back up and then called 911, Edwards said. We pushed it up and got it uprighted, Hoffman said. 
I just had to put my mind to it. It was what we had to do. We just got after it and got it done, he said. Hoffman talked to the boy to keep him engaged until medics arrived. Now, Dylan's alive. He's fine. He suffered deep facial lacerations, but no serious injuries, according to the incident report, thankfully. A Jeep's driver, 17-year-old Amber Godfrey, who was Dylan's aunt, and a 6-year-old girl, who was also in the vehicle, were treated for minor injuries as well. Now, the minivan driver, Mary Eibling, through 33, of Denver, had a minor wrist injury and planned to go to the hospital by private vehicle and is cooperating with police. I would just like to say, you know, take this opportunity to say, you know, if you ever see any sort of a stalled vehicle uh, or even anything, a kind of emergency vehicle on the side, it doesn't even have to be an emergency vehicle. It's just a good idea to move over. Slow down, move over a lane, give them a wide berth, give them some a little, a little bit of room. They made it a law here in Oregon recently that if you, if there is any emergency vehicle on the side of the road, you have to slow down to 35 miles an hour, even on the freeway, or give them a, a full lane of clearance uh, by moving over to the next available lane. Uh, and that is a law now. And I, I think that it might be time to initiate these kind of laws in other states, especially when things like this keep happening. Well, two things. First off, uh, in the uh, the great state of Texas, we also have a law that was uh, maybe it's two, maybe five years old. Where you have to, like, uh, similar to the Oregon thing, where you have to move over, uh, give them a full lane's width of uh, clearance, or slow down five miles per hour. So it's not the 35 that you guys have, but, uh, and of course, I could be misremembering. Now, I'll say this, especially for a 17-year-old driver that may not have thought about this, the door is ajar. It's not a, a hatch that is loose at 14,000 feet and you're about to decompress the cabin and everybody may die from uh, asphyxiation, uh, easy for me to say, Um, don't pull over to the side of the highway. Take the exit. Pull into a gas station. Pull into a Walmart. Pull in someplace where you're less likely to have people hit you at uh, a high rate of speed. I don't know what it is, Josh, Tammy, where people, um, they steer with their eyes. So when they see something, the steering wheel turns towards what they're looking at. You you definitely see this at people that are drunk, uh, which is a question I have about this lady, uh, the 33-year-old you were talking about, uh, Josh, but I guess you would have mentioned that if you knew. Uh, But move to an area where it is very safe. Don't just pull over to the side of the highway. Sometimes you don't have a choice. I understand, but they certainly had a choice in this case. Yeah, what Tony's talking about is is uh, an affliction that happens very commonly uh, when behind the wheel are operating any kind of a, a motorized vehicle. I mean, this includes motorcycles, especially motorcycles. And the term is called target fixation. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just when you look at something and you start going towards it. And it's it's subconscious. It's 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 just a, a, a sort of a, a motor function that, that you naturally will do. The body follows where the head points, generally. Uh, and uh, obviously, a lot of people have you know broken themselves of this habit or or have the mindfulness to kind of be aware of what's happening as they're driving and whatnot. Uh, and this person just sort of you know lost that mindfulness and kind of got caught up in the moment of what they were seeing. Uh, you know, a vehicle on the side of the road, and next thing they know, their vehicle is over the line and clipping it. And it's just you know. It's just one of those arguments, you know, for, you know, moving over, slowing down, that sort of thing. So, uh, thankfully, this person wasn't drunk and thankfully nobody was severely injured. But uh, things definitely could have gone uh, very far south uh, very quickly. Uh, And thankfully to the quick action of two innocent bystanders who weren't jeepers but definitely stepped in to do the right thing. Uh, these guys get a big salute and a big wave. Well, damn it, they could be for their fast actions. They should be jeepers and, and they should have a winch on their jeep for next time.
Well, hey, if you have a news tip or you have a response to any one of our stories, make sure to let us know by phone or by email. We'd love to hear from you. Just head over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact to find out how. Well, we're going to continue tonight with uh, Steve's uh, Finding Trails. This will be part six. So, uh, Steve, and and make sure you get your maps ready. You know, if you don't, hit pause and get those maps that Steve told you about ready so you can follow along. Tammy, that means you too. Yep, I got it ready. (laughs) Hi, this is Steve, 4.3LXJ, with another Jeep trip and continuing in our series on how to find places to wheel. And if you haven't downloaded your maps from our series before, I urge you to go back and listen to those and download your maps and join us as we continue on this, which means you're going to need to replay these things as you're looking at your computer at home. So today, I'd like to continue looking at the Wentworth Springs Quadrangle, and I'd like you to go to frame number five of your National Geographic maps. And this is the map that has the famous Rubicon Trail on it. You can find out how to get to this trail from a lot of different sources, and you can find just a map of the trail from a lot of different sources. This is uh, easy information to get, but I want to take a look at this trail on this map for a reason, because there's uh, some things you need to know about roads and stuff. First off, we need to look at road designations. There's You can find places on uh, usgs.gov where it's got all the markings for, you know, the legends for all these maps. It's not on every map. It's on some maps. For instance, uh, the full map that you get from usgs.gov has a legend at the bottom. The National Geographic maps don't, so we need to go over this. If we go down to the uh, bottom of the map here, just east or to the right of Loom Lake, you'll notice that there is a pink two-lined road that goes into Loon Lake, or it's also called Pleasant Lake. And this is, these two solid lines uh, means it's a real nice road. You'll also notice that there are places on these maps where you've got solid Uh, lines that are just as wide as these two pink lines. Those are paved roads. And then you get a a red and white dashed wide line, and those are like major highways and stuff. What we're doing here is we're looking to see there's a gradient of types of roads, and the map symbols tell you what those gradients are. I want to look at the Rubicon Trail today because there's an important feature of these maps. If you really want to find the gnarly, good, challenging Jeep trails that This is one of the things that you study your maps for. If you go up about a section and a half from the bottom, you'll see a dashed line that uh, comes from the left. That's the original Rubicon County Road, and it shows it as a road there. And then as you get about a little over two miles over, right about to the section line there on the east side of section 34, it turns into a solid black dashed line and that means it's a trail they consider it a trail and in fact it's labeled jeep trail but you notice what it says right there little sluice box that's the famous little sluice on the uh rubicon trail and if you keep following that line you come to one that says big sluice box and then you come down to buck island lake and you'll uh see there that it may even fade out well when you get your other uh, map going and you and you put it up next to this one, you'll find out that it does continue after Buck Island Lake and you can follow that dash line all the way to Lake Tahoe where it becomes a uh, two-lined uh, uh, broken 
uh, road and then finally a paved road down to the lake through a housing development. When you're looking at these maps, it's important when you look at the roads, look at the types of roads that they are because they can transition from a paved road to a gravel road and there's one designation that you'll find and that's 4WD. Those are rough roads where uh, you may not necessarily need four-wheel drive, but you're not going to drive your Subaru on those because uh, the rocks are too big and, and the ruts are too deep and stuff like that. And the roads marked 4WD, they can be negotiated with a two-wheel drive pickup, but four-wheel drive makes good insurance. And those kinds of roads are, are good for a novice wheeler and you get a chance to try your rig out and you get a chance to uh, see some country you wouldn't normally see. There are areas in the Sierras where there's a lot of these roads that are marked 4WD. And it's, it's not a place you want to take your car, but it's a great place to take a Jeep. And then you'll find a number of roads that go from the two uh, dashed lines parallel to each other down to the single. That means that it's going to be very, very challenging. And if you're looking for a challenge and looking for the cool places to uh, take your Jeep, those are the ones to look for. The Rubicon Trail is a good example of how that happens. You'll also notice here, up on the uh, right side in Section 30, there's another one of those roads that fades out from a regular road and becomes a Jeep trail. And this uh, trail intersects the Rubicon, and I'm not sure if that trail is still open. Uh, that's something that uh, I need to explore personally, and I'm going to do that one of these days on my bucket list also. So for now, I'll leave you with this information, and... We hope to see you on the trail. The 4x4 Radio Network. And the 4x4 Radio Network has something for every off-road enthusiast. So be sure to tell a friend, would you? No matter what they drive, they're sure to find something to love at 4x4radionetwork.com. The 4x4 Podcast is there, Center Steer Podcast, Trail Chasers Podcast, and our newest member, the On the Trail Podcast. They all have a ton of free content to listen to and to share. That's 4x4radionetwork.com. Hey, guys. Super Croc here. So, calling to you from the shop where it's a balmy 40 degrees with the heater on. Yay! <laughs> so, got my cylinder head, finally, after waiting for like 3,000 years to get it one from the machine shop. Well, turns out mine had a crack in it. Of course. So, had to order. I went through a couple, I guess, to get mine. So, like, three weeks. And got it together. It went together fairly well. Except, you gotta remember to line up the dolls on the <laughs> intake manifold. Oh, yeah. Also, I bought one of those super new bangled vacuum coolant filler things. And I was re hoping to try it out and got it all put back together so he could and tried getting a vacuum. Couldn't get a vacuum. Couldn't get a vacuum. Yeah. That sucks. So then we tried oh, pressurizing geez. the system <laughs> and couldn't build up any pressure either. And when we tried pumping it, 
My brother said, oh, yeah, it sounds like it's coming from the back of the head. So <laughs> he it must be the, just a small he didn't something, have the, or the maybe it just around. needs coolant <laughs> to do it. So, okay, start filling with coolant. Put one gallon in, and your water draining down the back of yep. the engine. <laughs> so, long story short, my engine is a 97 engine. The head I got is a 96. Well, from a 96XJ, or Jeep. And there's one difference between them. It the is. 96 had a second coolant temperature sensor. You are correct, sir. <laughs> so we had a nice uh, quarter, oh, well, probably three-eighths inch hole there. Yeah. Great for well, a, a sample That sensor. was fun. <laughs> Oh gee, I knew what was coming. I, I I've never I've read about it. I've never even seen one that had the 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 port in the back for the uh, for the second uh, temperature sensor. Josh, do you know off the top of your head why they use two temperature sensors on the the pre ninety sevens? So the ninety six was kind of a weird year. You 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 were coming out of the the old ninety five, you know ninety four, the 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 post Renix pre late model high output style you know engines, and there was this hybrid of stuff happening that was going on. You had these combinations of the what you know the the ninety seven to two thousand one technology coming in and they're still trying to you know use up a lot of that 95 96 stuff so you had this like 96 and a half xj and some of them just the, the wiring was an absolute mess some of them don't you could have two 96s within a month apart made at the same man made at the same plant and they could be completely different and and so it's just it 96 is one of those years some people absolutely love them some people absolutely hate them here's one reason why I guess if uh, if the 96 was the only thing you ever had, or you spent a lot of time working on it and you got used to the quirks, uh, it'd be fine. But, uh, yeah, I I still don't know why they had uh, two uh, two SIMP sensors. I knew it at one time, and I can't remember what it is. But, yeah, they had one on the front uh, on the uh, thermostat housing, and then they had one on the rear uh, in that uh, place where all the water was coming out for well, I got I got to take the task this machine shop, man. I mean, if if Croc went to this place and they told him, okay, here's this Jeep head, yeah, here's the true. you know the vehicle that was you know that came off of, uh, you know, you'd think that they would have you know not given him a head with an extra hole in it, knowing that hey, this is for a year prior or you know a couple years prior, so. I don't. I don't know. I, I gotta. I gotta fault the machine shop a little bit for this one. Well, I mean, they could have just put a plug in it, right? I mean, uh, exactly. that's all you had to do. Very easy. So even if they wanted to use that same head, put a plug in it before you give it to your customer. So yeah. who, who knows? Uh, maybe he took the plug out during his sleep. You never can tell about Super oh. <laughs> Maybe it could happen. Shut up and listen. Shut up. Shut up. So shut up. You don't shut Man, up. Shut up, Shane. Hey, shut up and listen. It's time for Wrangler talk. It's time for G Mama. So I'm gonna share with you guys some comments tonight that I got on YouTube. Um, I found them very inspiring and funny at the same time. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that video of me um, about a year ago as I'm driving a Jeep up the entrance to Hell's Revenge. Well, if you haven't seen it, go check it out on YouTube and then come back and listen to the show here. 
Um, it was almost a year ago when I wheeled that trail, and that was the, my trip to Moab, which was supposed to be my annual trip with my sister, but she couldn't make it. So I asked around, I asked strangers, I asked my husband, I asked my kids, I, I asked everyone to go with me, and I would pay for everything, except they just had to get there paying for their own airplane ticket. So no one could make it to go with me. And I wanted to go see Moab so bad, I decided, you know what, I'm going to go by myself. And I was pretty anxious about going on vacation by myself, but I thought I'm going to do it. So I did. And I ended up spending hours by myself hiking in the national parks around Moab. I spent days eating in restaurants by myself. I drove the scenic roads and visited a ghost town by myself. However, I was lucky I didn't need to go wheeling by myself, as you can tell in that video. I had a great, awesome trail guide, and I had a great, awesome Jeep friend driving with me. So that sunset ride and the next day's wheeling was absolutely amazing. Now, Hell's Revenge is one of the most intense trail rides I have ever encountered. It tested my limits, my limits of my fear of heights. And now the video is pretty funny listening to me. However, at the time, it was super, super intense, but I did it. I made it through and I would do it again in a minute. Now, one thing I learned on this trip to Moab that if I had let my fears stop me, I would have stopped. My fears would have stopped me from doing some pretty amazing things and I would have missed out on a fabulous vacation and the most amazing vacation I've ever had. So like I said, I shared this experience of Hell's Revenge on YouTube with my video. Um, and some people find this, most people find this video hysterical listening to me freak out as I'm on the inside of a Jeep crawling slowly up the entrance to Hell's Revenge that it's recording from the inside. But a fellow Jeep girl watched that video just recently she was planning on wheeling that same trail a couple days after she watched my video. She was obviously searching for videos of Hell's Revenge and she came across mine. So she decided she didn't think she could wheel the trail as she freaked out just watching my video. So here's, I wanted to share with you this little exchange between myself and her on YouTube. And she writes, I'm supposed to be doing this trail this week, even though I'm scared to death. But after watching your video, I'm really not sure I can do it. It makes me feel sick. I almost feel like crying just watching you do it. Awesome that you did, but I don't know if I can. So I responded to her, you can do it. It's not a hard trail at all. I'm afraid of heights. I can't even go on a ladder. You can do it. I know you can. Please don't let my video stop you. I would do this trail again in a heartbeat. So a couple days later, I hear back from her and she's like, well, I did it. My husband drove his nude Ford Raptor and we made it. My worries had almost made him call off the trip himself. I put some doubts in his head, even though it was part of the reason we'd come to Moab. And while I'm glad we did it because it made him happy, unlike you, I won't be doing this again. It was crazy scary and for me, a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Thank you for your encouragement and keep having great adventures. So I responded back, I'm so glad you did it. It is crazy scary. I said the same thing at the end of, my, of the trail when I wrote it. 
but give it a few months. You will want to do it again. And she said, I'll take your word for it, but I seriously <laughs> doubt it. But my point is, don't let your fears stop you. You can have amazing experiences if you just do it. Oh, Tammy, stopping people from going off roads since I know. 1985. Yeah. <laughs> I would have felt horrible. Horrible if she didn't do it. And people have to understand, too, I'm very um, verbal when I'm out on the trails. And I keep pushing through. I'm not scared enough where, well, I almost was scared enough. I don't know if I could have done that without Charlene. But um, you just got to keep pushing through. Hundreds of people have gone on that trail and haven't fallen off, knock on wood, the side of the fin. But yeah anyway i just wanted to share well tammy you know uh my my generally loving and supportive nature i think i would have responded with oh my god no you should have taken a jeep you're lucky you didn't die taking a ford raptor <laughs> yeah actually um uh what's his uh my guide kl he took a avalanche oh really and, yeah on fins and things which is is pretty similar and he got that avalanche through a stock avalanche. You know, that is pretty brave considering the name, uh, being up on a, <laughs> a slope, yeah, a slope hill. See, <laughs> Hey, you rolled that avalanche down, down, the, down Moab? Yeah, well, you should have saw that coming. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad that, that they went and did it. I, I, I would agree with you, Tammy. I would have felt horrible if uh, they didn't oh go. God. Yeah, just because of my video. <laughs> hey, folks, coming up later in the show... Stay tuned for Nikki G because it's an exciting, exciting, <laughs> yes, exciting stuff comes out of his mouth. You sometimes. never know what it's going to be a 90 degree or 180 yeah. or, or 360 plus another 90. Uh, you never know what direction he's going to go. All right. Well, you guys may or may not know this, but we are on the Amazon Echo. And we're not going to use the name. It's the name that must not be spoken. Uh, otherwise, it triggers all the echoes in your house. Uh, so we put together. Alexa, a little... play opera, <laughs> volume 99. I was just going to say, Alexa, play ACDC, shook me all night long. <laughs> all complaints uh, and letters need to go to. So uh, anyway, it is, it is really just as easy as going to your app, the A word app. And uh, enabling, do a search for the Jeep Talk Show, and then just enable that skill, and then you'll be able to do something like this. Alexa, ask the Jeep Talk Show to play the latest episode. Welcome. You can listen to all the episodes of Jeep Talk Show, a Jeep podcast, including new episodes, as they are released. For now, you'll start with the most recent episode, but you can change by skipping forward or backward. You can even say how many episodes you'd like to skip. So if you've been trying to get your 99-year-old grandmother into jeeping and you want her to listen to this wonderful podcast, but it just can't quite explain how to do listen to the podcast, load the app, and do all these other things, just tell her to tell Alexa to play the latest episode of the Jeep Talk Show. And then have your 99-year-old grandmother call into Absolutely. the show because we want to hear from her. <laughs> Absolutely. See if Tammy scared her off of Moab as well. Probably. 
Well, if we haven't scared the rest of you off, we encourage you guys to leave us a review. We got we just absolutely love hearing your guys' comments about us and constructive criticism as well. If you guys you know something to take us to task on, well, by all means, we'd love to hear from you. And of course, you can do that by any number of ways. If you can find us online, you can pretty much find a way to leave us a review. iTunes, YouTube, even Facebook. You can all leave us a review. We'd love those five-star reviews, by the way. And, of course, you can leave us a comment. And somebody did that this week, in fact. Uh, I, anybody want to give me a hand on the name? I was just going to say, I've been doing some thinking about this. Uh, I'm thinking E. Curry Luke. All right. We'll go with that. Anyways, they <laughs> gave us a five-star review and says, Awesome Jeep Podcast. This podcast is one of the best podcasts I have found. Each week, Tony, Josh, and Tammy Cover the latest Jeep news, product reviews, guest interviews, and plenty of <clears throat> whatnot. <laughs> Great job, guys. By the way, my two Jeeps are colors flame red and hyper green. Hyper green? I think you got to change your blinker uh, for that. I think that's probably the problem you're having with that hyper flash. Great, great review. Thank you so much. Love the whatnot. I missed that whenever I posted that into the show notes. Advanced Adapters, this is Clyde. How can I help you? Clyde, buddy! It's Tony from the Jeep Talk Show. Yes, sir. How can I help you? Come on, Clyde. You remember me. I, I called you a few weeks ago. Last week. Oh, really? It seems like two, but at least you do remember. Your transfer case is still being built, Mr. McLeroy. Clyde, call me Tony. Clyde? Yes, Tony. Was there something else that I can help you with other than telling you that your Atlas 2 speed is still on schedule for the five to six weeks that it takes to build. Come on, Clyde, buddy. We're old friends at this point. And after all, I do have my own show. Tony, it's a podcast. Everyone has a podcast. We are giving the same excellent customer service we're known for, the same customer service we give everyone. Well, okay, but you can't blame a guy for trying. By the way, uh, how'd you like the show? Have you been binge listening? I'm sorry, Mr. McLeroy. Tony. Uh, Tony, I have another call coming in. Please check back with us anytime, except if it has to do with the Atlas being available sooner. We will contact you if the due date changes. Oh, so the due date could change? Could it be sooner? No, not really. Look, it's just something we tell people, okay? I'm sorry. I have to go. Uh, okay. Well, thanks. Everybody's got a podcast. Impatient. Impatient, <laughs> Tony. It's expensive, Tammy. It's all bright and shiny and... I want to paint it red and put it in my Jeep. So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's gonna take all, all a I long can think time. about is that that one meme from that Archer TV show where he's talking about you know you want ants because this is how you get ants. Like, you want a restraining order because this is how you get a restraining order. <laughs> oh, they're <laughs> well, they're answering the questions. That's all I care about. <laughs> Everybody's got a podcast. Oh, geez, funny guys over there at Advanced Adapters. Tom Woods has been doing only four-wheel drive, drive shafts, and slip yoke eliminators for 20 years. As an American-owned, operated company, they provide solutions trusted by the weekend wheeler all the way to the rock-crushing rigs at King of the Hammers. If you have a Jeep, Tom Woods Custom Drive Shaft is a solution for you. Using gold, gold seal universal joints developed in-house, you can count on the strength of your drive shaft in its, uh, at its weakest link and most abused points. And if you're concerned about warranties, it doesn't get any better than their trail hazard protection. If a weld ever breaks, they take care of it. If a gold seal universal joint breaks, they take care of it, but also any damage to the drive shaft. 
Most just put a new, new U-joint in your hand and the rest is up to you. Tom Woods loves Jeeps. In fact, he has three highly modified Jeeps, so he understands your passion and so do his employees. Tom Woods custom drive shafts are always shipped complete, balanced, greased, and ready to install. With their 1310 series CV type drive shafts, they send re- uh, reduced head bolts for ease of installation and a service tool for re-greasing the center pivot point on the CV. They pay attention to the final, finest details so that you have less likely, you are less likely to experience a problem. If you've ever dropped a drive shaft, you know how important this is. When Tom Wood started his company 20 years ago, he wanted two things, to have the best product he could provide and to feed his family. He has accomplished both and more. When you research custom drive shafts, Tom Wood's custom drive shafts comes up time and time again. Trust them with one of the most critical parts of your driveline. Visit Tom Woods Custom Drive Shafts today. Just go to 4xshaft.com. That's a 4, the letter X, and then shaft.com. You got tech questions? Ah, what do I ever? We have answers. Oh, that's good. I think, I, it's Tech Talk with Jeep Talk. We're going to get into troubleshooting a no-start issue. A no-start condition on your Jeep or really any engine is usually caused by a lack of fuel or a lack of spark or a lack of air. And this last one usually just generally falls into engine compression or lack thereof. Now, knowing that the cause of the problem lies in just one of these three specific areas will help you figure out what tests you need to perform to find out what's causing your Jeep not to start. Now, I want to share some of the most basic insights and tips that will help you narrow down your troubleshooting efforts. Before I jump into the specifics of what causes a no-start condition, I want to clarify the difference between two common terms you may hear come up as you diagnose the problem on your Jeep. Now, the two conditions are cranks but does not start condition. In this type of condition, you turn the key and the engine in your Jeep cranks and turns over, but it doesn't start or run. Usual suspects that can cause this type of problem are a bad fuel pump, bad crank sensor, bad ignition coil if your Jeep is distributor equipped, etc. Now, in the event that nothing is happening, well, you may have what is called a does-not-crank condition. Now, this means that the engine is not cranking when you turn the key to start it. In other words, the engine doesn't turn over at all. This is usually due to a bad starter motor, bad battery, bad ignition switch, bad neutral safety switch, or the engine is just plain and simply locked up. Now, as I mentioned earlier, if your Jeep isn't starting, it's because it's missing one of three basic things, either air, fuel, or spark. It's as simple as this. Now, I know, I know you might, I might be oversimplifying it all, but knowing that only one of these three things is missing really helps put the problem into perspective. Also, knowing this means that when your Jeep doesn't want to start, your diagnostic and troubleshooting efforts are now directed and focused at finding out which one of these three things is missing and not simply asking the next person that comes by for a jump, hoping for the best. In all honesty, troubleshooting the problem requires that you check and confirm these three things. One, that all cylinders are getting spark, verified with a spark tester, which are as little as $4 on Amazon, or you can get brave and with a pair of insulated pliers, hold the clip of the spark plug of the wire near a good source of uh, ground in the engine bay and have somebody crank the engine. You should see spark, but be careful not to hold the wire with your bare hands or uninsulated tools as the current moving through these is enough to hurt you. Now two, you want to check that the fuel pump is creating enough fuel pressure. The pressure test is easy, generally requiring only one connection that's easy to get to, and the gauge can be rented for free or bought for less than $20. And finally, if necessary, you will need to check the engine's health with a compression test. This too is an easy test, and the equipment can also be rented or bought for less than $40. Alright, let's start with number one, verifying spark. 
I mentioned you can test for spark using an inexpensive inline spark plug tester, but that's not the only thing to test for. The ignition system is the system tasked with creating and delivering spark to each of the six cylinders. Without spark, the engine will crank, but it won't start. In my experience, the most common ignition components to go bad are either the cap and or rotor. I know, it sounds ridiculous, but you wouldn't believe how often these are overlooked. The ignition coil could also be a culprit, but far less likely. However, we can't rule out sensors either, like the crankshaft position sensor, which is also known to go out on 4-liter Jeep engines. Now, less likely, however, is the camshaft position sensor, and this is the one that's in the bottom of your distributor if your Jeep has one. Now, if you have the time, tools, and patience, all of these components can be tested in a methodical way to find out exactly what has failed, if indeed something has. Now, to do this, you'll need a multimeter at the very least, and in some cases, an oscilloscope, which is not exactly something you're going to just find at Harbor Freight or Napa. But most of the time, a simple resistance or voltage test will suffice. All right, let's move on to number two, the fuel system. This is the one responsible with supplying the engine with fuel. Now, the component that causes 99% of no-start fuel conditions is either the fuel pump or the fuel pump relay. And in some rare cases, the ASD or the automatic shutdown relay could be causing issues as well, but this too is just a relay and acts the same as the fuel pump relay, just turns things on and off. The fuel pump can be tested using a fuel pressure gauge, as I mentioned earlier. Or if you want, you can play a very dangerous game of, hey, what's inside this hose, as your buddy cranks the engine. <laughs> Now, either way, once you know you have a gas, uh, you, once you have gas up at the engine and in the proper pressure, it's time to move on to the third and final item, air. The components that are responsible for drawing in the air that the engine needs are the engine pistons, of course, cylinder head valves, and all the other related components like timing chain, etc., etc. Now, although rare, internal engine mecha mechanical problems can do and may cause no-start conditions. Things like, oh, I don't know, say the engine being blown or seized <laughs> up. Yeah, that, that might cause it not to start. But maybe it's more subtle, like a blown head gasket or a busted timing belt. Okay, obviously the list of possible things that can go wrong mechanically with the engine can get very long, go on forever, and can get very complicated. But honestly, it is very rare to see or have two different components go bad from two separate systems all at the same time you would have to have some very, very bad luck. Now, the cool thing is that there is a lot of help out there in the Jeep community and online to help further diagnose mechanical engine problems. I just wanted to go into some very real specific procedures. I, I, I did want to go into real specific procedures for troubleshooting specific systems, but that is going to vary drastically between Jeep models and even between model years in some cases, not to mention the information is kind of dry and the procedures can get quite technical and I'm sure I've already bored you to no end. So... <laughs> At least now you know that the very basics are there and, you know, kind of what they consist of. And you'll be better informed the next time you get stuck behind a stalled Jeep on the trail that just won't start. This thought I'd mention something real quick. Uh, I think a lot of us, uh, maybe not you, uh, and I'm, I'm talking to you out there in the listening land. Um, it's a 12-volt system, so you may have it in your head that, you know, you felt the little... Uh, buzz or a little, you know, maybe not a buzz. <laughs> Some of you guys are going, ooh, really? Um, you felt a little voltage uh, coming through uh, if you've put your arms over the battery or something like that. And you feel this little 12-volt thing and you go, oh, that was kind of a, a shock, I guess. It's kind of very mild type thing. Now, when Josh says you're, you're testing for spark, be careful uh, not to, to get involved in, in that spark or the, the, uh, the metal part of uh, where you're testing because the coil or coil pack ups the voltage. I think it's around 8,000 volts. Now, whenever the voltage goes real high, 
the current uh, capacity, the, the amount of current that can tr be transferred through there goes way down. So it's unlikely that you would be um, like your, it would stop your heart or anything like that. But that high voltage will scare the piss out of you. It actually can burn you. Um, Absolutely. So that's what he's referring to when he talks about uh, the, that voltage. And if you're thinking of a 12 volt system, eh, how bad can it be? It can be bad. The other thing you could do is uh, work on an old TV and hit the flyback transformer Ooh. in that 50,000 volts that's on there. <laughs> that's a happy one to do, too. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's probably not going to be deadly, but it will get your attention. Yeah, absolutely. Now, good advice, Tony. Good advice. And of course, if you guys have anything to add, well, maybe you have a question for Tech Talk itself. Well, just jump over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact. Send us a message. I would love to hear your questions. Love hearing from you guys, and especially whenever we get corrections or additions to what we're talking about. Hello, this is Nick from Hillsboro, Oregon. Lately, I've been inundated with tips from well-meaning Jeep moms, not just Tammy, and it's got me wondering, <laughs> where are all the Jeep dads and where are their tips? Well, here's one for you to help keep your kids' attention on the way to the trail. It's called the Jeep game. The rules are fairly simple. If you see a Jeep, you call it and you get a point. Park Jeeps don't count unless you're under eight and need the handicap. If you're under four, you get a Jeep stealing superpower. This lets you steal other people's points by parroting back a called Jeep in an acceptable amount of time, which is good for a lot of laughs and giggles when you make a big fuss over it. Oh, yes, red Jeeps are worth two. Wait, what did you say? Red Jeeps are worth two. Red Jeeps are worth two. <laughs> my kids might be thirsty, starving, and suffering from hypothermia, but they are always on the lookout for my fellow Jeepers. Keep up the good show, guys. Bye. I gotta say, oh. I think that's one of the best voicemails that we've ever received. <laughs> of course you'd say that. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. There's times where I wish that you know some of our listeners were more colorblind. Uh, Nick, a fellow Oregonian, uh, much love to you, pal. Uh, actually, no, that's great. Uh, developing a game uh, cool. revolving around Jeeps. We're actually going to have to put that into like text or something and make a make an official uh, rules page or something on the website. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but we, that, that's good stuff, man. And glad to hear you're getting the family involved uh, with the Jeep life and, and getting them out there early. That's awesome. We, start, we played that game um, on the way to Michigan this past summer. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, we, we were on the... I, <laughs> I stunk at it. My, my oldest son could pick out Jeep. Well, I have horrible eyesight. He was picking out every single Jeep, like Patriots and um, Wranglers and Cherokees, and he could pick them out from, you know, miles down the road. So Tam he's got better Jadar than you do. <laughs> yeah, I guess he does. <laughs> Tammy only, uh, she'll only admit to black Jeeps uh, that she was counting. That was what it was. That was her handicap. What he forgot to tell you is black Jeeps are worth 10 points. I didn't hear that. Yeah, that's I. Just, I think it was creatively just, edited out. I just <laughs> Wikipedia it. That would be funny. <laughs> just did a Wikipedia search and black jeeps are ten. He he call he'll call next week and go, hey, you edited out my black beep. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good times from Nick from Oregon. Thanks again for calling in, man. Like Route 16, Route 16 Off-Road rather brings you the best gear from the best brands in the off-road community all in one place. From Power Tank, S-Pod, KC Highlights, Aries, Nitro, Crazy Beaver, Poison Spider, Traction Jack, Rugged Ridge, Factor 55, Yukon, Rubicon Express, Warren, Pro Eagle, 
Owens Products, Tuffy, and many more. You guys know these names. As a community-focused brand, they sponsor some great events, too. Clubs and organizations as well, from Uari OHV Jamboree to the Myrtle Beach Jeep Jam. From the Carolina Trails Off-Road Uari Invasion to the Marine Recon Challenge. How about Top Sail Island Jeep Week and the 36 Hours of Uari Adventure Race? Team True Patriot. Yeah, go guys. Chances are they're going to be at an event this year you're attending. So make sure you stop by, say hi, or even order your next parts right on the spot in their exclusive Web Orders tent. You can find Route 16 Off-Road on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and even Pinterest. Or head over straight to their website at Route16.com. That's R-O-O-T-O-N-E-S-I-X.com. Route 16 Off-Road. They live the Jeep life too. I'd just like to add, if you're out at one of these events and you go over there and visit the Route 16 tent, look for the Jeep Talk Show banner. It has uh, our three lovely faces. Okay, maybe two and a half. Uh, And uh, the big Jeep Talk Show words on the banner. It's a huge banner. You can't miss it. We would love to see some pictures on social media of uh, you taking a picture, maybe you and your uh, significant other taking a picture in front of the banner. As many of you know, 2018 marked the 52nd annual Easter Jeep Safari in Moab. It's an amazing, it's amazing to think Jeepers have been flocking to Utah's high desert for as long as the NFL has been crowning Super Bowl champions. Just like the Gridiron Classic in February, the legendary off-road festival hosted by Red Rock Four Wheelers celebrates the premier achievements in its industry through rough and rugged performance. Extreme Terrain visited EJS in late March to experience Moab and take in all the sights. The week-long Jeep event ran from Sunday, March 25th to Saturday, March 31st, and included everything from vendor-sponsored trail rides, corporate social gatherings, hosted by aftermarket parts manufacturers, to an incredible display of seven completely custom JL Wrangler concepts from Jeep themselves. The trail rides range in difficulty from 1 to 10, with something like Steelbender rated at a 6, offering a mixture of moderately difficult off-road obstacles to a couple of hair-raising upchucks or drops to raise the adrenaline of an even of an even seasoned wheeler in the crowd. Many of the trail rides benefit from the expert trail guidance of the club's knowledgeable members. It is easy to spot the crew in their iconic red nylon jackets, with the RR4W patches on the back. Classic. Extreme Terrain was able to take one of their own projects, Jeeps, Brian Deegan's Deegan 38 JK Rubicon, across the Steelbender Trail on Tuesday, March 27th. The 2017 2017 Wrangler Rubicon, outfitted in Deegan 38 parts and Terraflex long iron suspension, handled the Category 6 trail like the beast that it is. To check out the Deegan 38 JK, how it came to life, and see all the coverage from the Easter Jeep Safari that Extreme Terrain has to offer, swing over to Extreme Terrain or visit the link in today's show notes to see for yourself. From around the world, or from your city, and sometimes just down the street. How to neighbor. It's the Jeep Talk Show interview. All right, boys and girls, we have another interesting and exciting interview tonight. They're taking a bit of a turn tonight. Uh, Going to be talking to a mental health professional, Tanya Childers. And uh, Tanya, why in the world would a mental health professional, a respected mental health professional, agree to be on a podcast? A Jeep podcast. <laughs> 
Well, I think that there's a lot to be said for the Jeep community, possibly some issues of addiction when it comes to the Jeep community. All right. Well, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves there, Tanya. Let's find out more about yourself. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's find out more about you first. Now, where are you located? Um, I am in Indiana. Um, I've been here for about, I want to say, seven years now. Oh, wow. So that's, that's like almost a native. You know, you in Texas, you have to be here 20 years to be a Texan, considered a Texan, but you cannot live in Dallas. Dallas is not considered to be part of Texas. I know, Tammy. I'm alienating more, more people from the show. Yeah. That's... <laughs> and so I take it, Tanya, you also are a Jeep lover and owner as well. Yes, I am. Would you would you think you have an addiction? Because, you know, we were hoping to talk to you about addictions. And if you're addicted, it, 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 I can't imagine that you could give us good advice. Well, I'm still trying to sort through the, the facts to, to figure out what exactly constitutes as an addiction and a hobby when it comes to oh. So I'm working through that. Well, I, I don't know the technical term, but would that be uh, would that be the same thing as like if you're an alcoholic, you say you can quit any time. You're, you're trying to come up with an excuse as to why it's not an addiction. Somewhat. I think there's some similarities there. <laughs> Tanya's being a good sport with us here tonight. So, Tanya, is the, do you think there's a real thing as a Jeep addiction? I mean, everybody jokes about it and, um, you know, makes fun of somebody, uh, you know, but the UPS is your, your second cousin. They visit your house so much with Jeep parts now. Do you think it really can be a real addiction? Well, anything can be a real addiction. Um, there's the internet addiction. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of addictions that we can classify. But I think what really it comes down to is that uh, with an addiction, you're engaging in that behavior to get relief from some sort of painful feelings or withdrawal symptoms. So I don't, I don't necessarily know that it could be considered an addiction, but it, it's definitely a fine line because I, I I think that there's a lot of the same similarities or signs that it shows as the signs of addiction. So I don't know. We'll have to kind of talk it out and see. So now you, well, it's, I'm it's sorry, go interesting. Ahead. No, it's interesting that you say that because when I'm feeling sad or upset or I, I need to be, feel happy, I get in my Jeep, I put the top down, it's sunny out and I drive and I turn my music up and I makes me feel better. And it's I just funny how you feeling. how you say that that's what people do to make them feel, you know, addictions to make themselves feel better. Like people drink so they can feel happy. I do, but then you also have to kind of look at the other aspect of that is that that can also be considered a positive coping skill because it's something that it, you're able to go and you have a positive relief. Right. Um, so unless there's like negative side effects, which I'm pretty sure that some Spouses could probably argue <laughs> right, there are yeah. some negative side effects to this. Um, I, I think, though, I tend to look at Jeep as more as, as a positive therapeutic um, outlet. Right. Oh, I like that. She's saying things I want to hear, Danny. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, <laughs> so some people equate addiction to a negative thing, but the Jeep addiction is more of a positive thing, maybe. I don't know. I think so, because, I mean, I think that the Jeep lifestyle and just the, the hobby in general, I mean, for some people, it's much more of a lifestyle, and um, it engages kind of our passions and, and allows us to have, like, a, a mini vacation from our daily lives. So, in a sense, it gives us a purpose. So, 
to me, it's it's much more of a um, maybe just a very passionate hobby, an expensive right. one, but a very passionate one. <laughs> very expensive right. one, exactly. So, Tanya, what are the? I don't know if there's a specific warning sign for the Jeep addiction, but for addictions in general, are there certain warning signs you would uh, look for? Um, yeah, most definitely. There's, and you, I'm pretty sure we can fit them in there. Um, in the Jeep addiction, but it's preoccupation, um, increased use and inability to stop and then suffering withdrawal symptoms. So yep. if you ask a Jeep owner, <laughs> <laughs> I think we kind of experience all of those. Yeah. I got to get off road, man. I got to get, yeah. got to get the Jeep, get the wheels dirty. Yeah. I got to, got to get out there so I can feel better. Oh, gee, that's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> It is kind of scary. I'm kind of looking and comparing it. Yeah, there's some similarities there. So uh, what got you into the whole Jeep thing? Uh, had you had a long-term interest in having a Jeep and just never had uh, uh, got one before? Because uh, I don't know if we, we mentioned it in the uh, before we started recording the interview. Uh, you've had your Jeep for about a year now. Yes, I've had my Jeep for a year. And, you know, I've always, I've always wanted one. But um, I've been, you know, I've been a mother of four daughters and... I just never, my vehicles always had to serve a purpose. So it it was just a vehicle. And um, as my girls have gotten older and, you know, I kind of got a little older and it was my 40th birthday and and we passed a a Jeep dealership and we pulled in and had no intent on buying one and, and that was my birthday present. So <laughs> that that's was a how sweet deal. That's, yep. that's a hell of a present there. So, you know, uh, Tammy and I, uh, and Josh to a lesser extent, kind of go back and forth about uh, Jeep colors. Uh, I, I really like the red Jeeps. I see that you have a white Jeep. Uh, Tammy has a black Jeep. Now, I'm a little concerned about Tammy and Josh because they're both pro black. Wouldn't that be an indication of depression? Or perhaps uh, not wanting to be seen, you know, maybe uh, shyness or something? Maybe to blend in, you know, kind yeah, of that, yeah. that inconspicuous look. No, we're just we're just goth jeepers. We're goth jeepers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's right. <laughs> so, um, the, 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 but but red certainly. There's nothing wrong with red. Red's bright, happy. Look at me. Look at this thing go. You know, uh, uh, red's a great color for a jeep, don't you think? I am not really partial to red. So I'm I, sorry. I, that's all the time we have tonight, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. You can not like, uh, or, or you didn't say not like, you, you're not partial to it. That's fine. But but white certainly is a bright color. Yes. I, I, I don't know. I've, I just like the white because you can pair it with anything. Um, I don't know. I, I, I was just drawn to the white Jeep. That was where it was at. Right. So now, how does your significant other uh, feel about uh, the whole jeeping thing? Is he in the into the jeep world, or is it just uh, uh, living through you vicariously? He has been extremely supportive of um, this change in me over the past year. So uh, he's learned how to do a whole lot of things on my jeep because I buy things and tell him he has to put it on my jeep. So. And I mean, I'm out there helping too, but he does, of course, you know, he, he does a lot. Um, it's been kind of a struggle, kind of that back and forth on, um, but he, he's definitely been there and I couldn't, I couldn't do it without him. Um, he has been amazing in in going through this because this is not, I don't think what he signed up for. So, right. So what kind of things are you doing to your Jeep? Um, 
Oh, geez. Anything that I can possibly think of, I'm pretty sure. Um, plans are to do gears and get 37. Um, oh, my goodness. Reinforce my axles. Yeah, I have some big plans coming up and maybe bit end of this year and beginning of next year. So the plan is um, to go to Moab next year. So that's kind of where I'm at. Right. And I want to try to get enough experience and, and get, get my Jeep ready and to be able to have that experience under my belt. So do you go off-roading where you live? I We do. We go as, as much as we possibly can. Right. Um, most of the parks around here are about three, three and a half hours away. Um, yeah, that's But there's some several ones, and there's some great clubs around here. So we do go. Uh, Badlands is, I think, one of the biggest ones around here, and that's a really great place to go. Um, Ralph's yeah. Off-Road and, and Michigan's a really good place. So, yeah, we I'm, I'm trying to branch out. We've got some big plans for the summer to get it, to, to kind of see some different places. Now, do you have, um, you know, most people have, like, their, their main color of their Jeep, like, mine is black, and then I have accessory colors, which are purple. Are you doing that at all to your Jeep, adding, you know, colorized things to it? We're just going with black and white. Okay. That's basically what I kind of went with. It's just been, you know, it's either, it's black and white. That's it. Right. Your husband's probably happy that it's not, like, pink and white or you know, teal and white. So he doesn't, my, my husband and my kids both do not like driving in my Jeep because it's got purple and it has a Jeep mom. Um, nice. On, yeah. So I'm sorry, your fiance, Tony just scolded me. <laughs> um, oh, that's okay. We've been together long enough. He's my, he's basically right. my husband. So do you let him drive often or do you guys fight over driving or? <laughs> oh, that was a debate <laughs> when, we first, when I first got my Jeep because we had traded in my car and it was my birthday present. So it was, it was quite an interesting um, um, discussion for a little bit. But he does drive. I let him drive it and um, he drives off-road um, when we do go. I do a lot of the driving, but he does, I let him drive and, and we both experience together and we take our kids. So we try to make it a family thing. Oh, I bet you the kids just love it. Uh, bouncing around in the back and feeling all those strange, uh, strange feelings that you don't uh, get to feel on uh, the paved surfaces. Oh, most definitely. I think my youngest is probably the most excited about it. She's, she's kind of really taken a, an interest with it. So I'm excited about that. So let me uh, get you back to the addiction issue, uh, Tanya. Is this something that people should be really concerned about? It, it does sounds like a good old American hobby to me. I think so. I mean, of course, if, if there's concern um, from family members and things like that, maybe you might want to kind of step back or if you're kind of overspending, there's things, of course, but I think we all do those occasionally. Um, but I, I think that you're probably right. I think that we're looking at a, a very passionate hobby and it's just something that we can we can all kind of connect with um you just so many so many dif- different you know facets to the, the to the jeep life it's just amazing yeah you, you mentioned jeep life and uh that that kind of reminds me of some other thing i wanted to ask you have you uh ex- i know that you're active on facebook and the jeep community have you done anything outside of that have you met and uh kind of joined in with the jeep family uh, living the Jeep life, have you have you noticed that thing besides the Jeep waves? I guess is what I'm what I'm trying to say. Well, uh, um, I have. I, I think I, 
Yeah, I'm pretty active on social media. And um, actually, I just got accepted as a, a, a brand ambassador for Off-Grid Elements. So I'm really, really excited to be a part of their family and um, to get to um, represent such an awesome company. So um, Crawler is another one that I'm, I had been active with. Um, so, I mean, just meeting all the different people and the things that they do in, in the communities, um, it, it's just a, it's really, really great. Yeah, there's a lot of passionate people out there, and if you've got a Jeep, uh, it's almost like you're, um, well, family or uh, a brother or a sister or anything that that one can do for the other. Uh, you know, the, on the trail, oh, yeah. if somebody rolls over or gets stuck, it's uh, no Jeep left behind type thing. So uh, it's, it's a great community uh, all in all. Oh, most definitely. I've met some great local people, people across the country. Um, it, it's just it's just really amazing. I don't think I would have met so many people without the Jeep. Oh, totally. I have some really good friends that I never would have met in a million years if it wasn't for my Jeep. So, Tanya, where do you think you'd be right now if you hadn't gotten that Jeep a year ago? What, what difference, uh, differences in your life has it made? Oh, geez, I don't even know what I'd be doing. <laughs> what, what were you driving before? <laughs> Please don't say a minivan. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, I, I think I, I would have had a Mustang, possibly. Yeah, I can uh, see that. It definitely would have been one of those those type, you know, midlife crisis type cars. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's also called having fun. Uh, you know, I, 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 you know, people make uh, penis jokes about, you know, having lifted uh, vehicles and midlife crisis whenever you get a Jeep or a Mustang. But uh, you got the one life, so far as we know. And damn it, I think you ought to be able to enjoy it. And if you've been responsible and raised the kids and now it's a little more time for you, I say, what the hell? Oh, most definitely. I think that's it, too. It's just being able to recognize that you are allowed to enjoy the things that you've worked hard for. Yeah, it frustrates me when when people are like, oh, yeah, that's her midlife crisis vehicle. And I'm like, no, you know, it's... It wasn't never that. It was, you know, sometimes you just want to change and you need to change, whether you're, you know, 20, 30, 40. Um, so it's just annoying when people go that direction. Also, too, you need a little bit of a bank account to play with Jeeps and uh, to break yeah. them and fix them. So uh, you might want to do yeah. it when you're 20 but can't afford it. Well, right. You've got to get to a certain point in your life where you can be able to do those things and to kind of step back and and make those plans, you know, like going to Moab, that's something I could have never done in my 20s. So, you know, this is, it's just a whole new world, that's for sure. Well, Tanya, we really appreciate you being here. And you know how the kids love the social media. Uh, if you'd like for some, uh, some, some folks to contact you on social media, how would they go about finding you? What platforms are you on and uh, what would they look for? Um, you can find me on Instagram and that's sugarmagnolia-jku. Um, and and I also have a Facebook page just for my Jeep, and it's Jeep Envy. Oh, you know, and I just remembered there, there was a, a set of pictures that you did. I remember one in particular, but I think there was a whole uh, set of them, two or three at least, that you had posted uh, with a, uh, I think it was a Willys Jeep, uh, or at least something that uh, uh, was of the, uh, looked of, uh, as of the Willys era. And you were dressed in 1940s style with hairdo and uh, makeup, the bright red lipstick, what what how did that come about? Was it just something that uh, that you wanted to do? I mean, I know you're into photography. Was it something along those lines, or uh, was it uh, maybe one of your followers that said, "Hey, can you take me some uh, sexy '40s pictures"? No, not at all. Actually, it was my Halloween costume. <laughs> I had my daughters uh, 
since we were already dressed up, I had her take a few pictures. So it really wasn't all that planned. I thought they turned out very well. What what was the Jeep? I can't remember right now if it, uh, if it was an actual uh, 1940s Jeep or not. No, it was my Jeep. It was just it was just my Jeep. It was one of the first ones. I just wanted a picture with my Jeep, and so my daughter offered to go ahead and take some for me. That's interesting. I didn't realize it was a Halloween costume. That you know that worked out really well. You need to find somebody with a, a Willie's Jeep and do it again. That would be fun. That would be much more uh, authentic. Well, I think it worked because the only thing I remembered is uh, how you were dressed up and how you looked. I didn't even remember the Jeep, so I think it worked out just fine. (laughs) (laughs) That worked. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me, and I've definitely enjoyed it, and I've appreciated being able to talk to you guys. Now, for the the, the guests that are going to be coming up in future weeks, you had mentioned about being nervous. How was it? Isn't it just a, a phone call? Isn't it just talking on the phone? Yeah, it was just like talking on the phone. I, I don't think it was as bad as I thought. <laughs> well, well, see that? You people that want to be a guest and you're holding off. Uh, Tanya was nervous about this and it was fine. All right, Tanya, have a great night. Thank you very much. Thanks, Tanya. Thank you very much. Hey, big thanks again to Tanya Childers for proving that we're all madly stricken with an incurable mental condition. <laughs> it's so yeah, true. Yeah, that would be me. <laughs> it's so true. Well, hey, guys, do you have an idea for a guest? We'd love to hear what you have to offer us. Or maybe you want to be a guest on the Jeep Talk Show. That's right. You could get on on the show for an interview. Just go to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and share your idea for our next great guest. It could be you. The Jeep Talk Show. It's not about us. It's about you, the listeners. It's Tim from Torrance. Hey, Jeepers, this is uh, Rob from Turner, Texas. Hey, guys, it's Cody with TrailChasers.net with another grand adventure. Hey, guys, this is Cody from Indiana. Hello, Jeep Talk Show crew. This is FJ Rick. Hi, guys. This is Joe. If a turtle doesn't have a shell, is he naked or homeless? Hey, guys, this is Ron out in Arizona. Hey, what's up? Jeep Talk Show. This is Jason, Oregon Trail Off-Road. Hi. This is Jake from California, and I'm sitting here eating pork rinds for breakfast. Hey, this is uh, PAG Freak. Hey, Tony, Josh, Danny, it's actually Jake Collin. This is John, Free Runner 1982, and on today's radio contact segment, I'm going to talk about APRS, Anal Probe Restraint System. No! No, no, that's not right. We love our listeners. That's never right. From the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, I see this week that you're going to have a mental health professional on the show. <laughs> uh, I'm just wondering if it's anybody I know. <laughs> uh, anyhow, I've had a rough week this week. Uh, my house was... Uh, infestated with uh, ghosts and, de- and I don't know what you call demons maybe, but anyhow, supernatural beings. Let's go with that. House was uh, infested with supernatural beings. So I had to uh, hire a priest to perform an exorcism. But I forgot to pay the bill. Now my house has been repossessed. <laughs> oh no! Alright boys and girls, I'll chat at you later. Oh. You have a good one. Bye. <laughs> Uh, the only oh, one so that bad. can get close to the bad jokes that I tell all the time. <laughs> There's only one man. And you just heard him.
Uh, you know, Linda Blair did a movie uh, called Repossessed. It was a, a grade D movie. Oh, <laughs> she I would, she I would actually did the movie called Repossessed. It's hilarious. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. Okay, class, it's time for a review. Let's check it out. Check it out. It's time for Jeep Mama's product review. Yeah, what is it and why do I want it? Yeah, Tammy, what is it and why do we want it? Well, this is going to be, and I have one of these, the Midland 75 822 40 channel CB Way Radio. Now, I want to preface this by saying, and please, nobody tell my husband I said this. Uh-oh. Promise. You got to promise. So, when I was first trying to decide to get a CB radio, I was insisting on getting the old-fashioned, I call it the old-fashioned kind, like how my dad had, um, you know, the kind of CB radio you had in the 70s and 80s. 23-channel tube radios, uh, D104 microphone. Well, it's the kind that you, you know, you'd put on your dash and, you know. So, I, I got one of those and it just, it just was too big for the inside of my Wrangler. And he kept, my husband kept telling me, you should just get like those walkie-talkie right CB radios. I'm like, no, no. You know, I want to be cool and have this big CB radio. Well, I finally caved and I got one of those, I call them walkie-talkie style CB radios. And I got the Midland Channel, 40 Channel CB Way Radio. And I love it. It's a portable CB radio with 40 channels, 10 NOAA channels, and it has four watts of output power. You can also power it with six AA batteries and or included as the cigarette lighter adapter. Um, it's instant access. What was that? <laughs> it's my uh, Midland 75 822 uh, portable radio. Oh. Oh, you have one too? Yeah. Talked about it on the show. Oh, see, I... But I, I'm, but I'm glad you came around. Nobody listens to me, damn it! Not even I know. Tammy. Well, when you start mentioning numbers, it goes like woof. Right I was just going to say, I'm so proud of you for you know mentioning yes. the seventy five eight twenty two and not making a face. Well, I figured everybody knew what I was talking about. Anyway, I love this CB radio. Isn't it cool? It is really cool. And I, the reason I love it so much is so I have you know my little wire thingy that's attached to the antenna. And it just sits underneath my passenger seat. And when it's time to go off-roading, I just open my glove box, pull out my CB radio, and I hook it up. And it sits there on my passenger seat because I have no passengers that ride with me. So that's where I put my CB radio. So it's easy access, and it's not there when I'm doing my daily driving because I don't need it. Anyway, I love it. You can get it on Amazon, and the link will be in our show notes. You know, I think I've mentioned this in the past. You could buy two because I think they were like uh, 75 bucks or something. At least the one I got was uh, was on sale, and I think I got it for like $75 off of Amazon. Uh, but you could buy two, and then your spotter, could you could just hand it to your spotter, and they right. could actually talk to you or they could hear you. I don't know if that's a if that's a, a benefit or not, but of course, when you could scream obscenities back at them on yours, that might be good for them. Right, but you shouldn't be using it when you're driving. When you're off-road? Obst- well, when you're on an obstacle. Oh, Two okay. hands on the wheel, Tony. Yeah, rookie. <laughs> anyway, it's really awesome. I love it. And I just don't tell my husband because he'll tell me I told you so. So what did you do with the other one? Are we going to do another giveaway? 
Um, actually, I put that out. I think either I put it on Craigslist or eBay, and I sold it. Ah, see, I was gonna yep. try to make you give us something else away for the show, but guilt you into it. All right, yeah. I missed that opportunity. Do you guys have an idea for a product review? Just visit our contact page at the Jeep Talk Show and let us know what you'd like to hear on our next product review. Looking forward to spring. Oh, I know. I wish winter would go away. Oh, I bet I you guys it falls are. on a weekend this year. Yeah. It is freezing here. Uh, got up to 82, I think, here today. Yeah, shut wow. up. <laughs> we actually had a, a little decent little bit of sunbreak out here today, and uh, it was uh, it was actually quite pleasant, so uh, I, I can't complain. Actually, the weather has been really, really nice here. Uh, it had a cold front come through. It dropped the temperatures down. Uh, mornings were, were pretty nice, and then getting up into the 80s uh, in the afternoon. So uh, I actually ordered some, uh, some dye. I was talking to you about it, Josh, uh, online about uh, diagnosing AC issues because my AC is not working. And uh, ordered some dye, uh, uh, AC dye, off of Amazon. Going to go through that route, but uh, I'll talk about more, that more in a minute. All right. Well, uh, I, I have not ordered uh, anything lately, although um, in uh, removing the cross member to uh, drop my transfer case out, uh, I noticed the transmission mount is looking eh, like it's probably towards it due to re- replace it. Now, I've, I replaced this once back when I first got the Jeep. Um, but, uh, it, it's had a lot of abuse and over the years and, uh, and I, I think it's about due for, uh, for an upgrade. Uh, so I'm going to be looking at, uh, at trying to source out, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to try and do it all at once. I think I'm going to do some poly, uh, motor mounts and a poly transmission mount. So I'm looking at, you know, of course, Brown dog looking at uh, mountain off-road engineering, uh, and some others as well. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going to, uh, I think I'm going to do replace that one that one transmission mount while I'm uh, putting everything back together. Now I know that uh, Brown dog has motor mounts. I don't think they have a transmission mount. I know uh, Iron Man four by four fab or whatever it yep. is. Andy has a, a ZJ. I think it was transmission mount, a real nice, right. nice one that you can go on there. But I don't think I know of any XJ aftermarket transmission motor mounts. Do, are, are you talking about one? Yeah, I know that uh, the Mountain Off-Road Engineering has got a version of one, as does, uh, now I'm brain farting on the name, Daystar. Daystar has, oh, got, okay. uh, has got one as well. So, I mean, there, there are some out there that are, that are aftermarket uh, that give you the, the poly option. Um, but, uh, again, I'm not, I'm not dead set on that. And, uh, but it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, well, that's going to be the next part I have to order. Uh, but speaking of parts, good. God, there's a lot of parts in this transfer case. Jeez, <laughs> well, I'm at the part now where I'm where I'm rebuilding the uh, rebuilding the differential inside the transfer case, and it's just, I mean, it's just painstaking. My my snap ring pliers are not the best. I mean, they're a decent set of Carlisle's. I mean, they're 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 a good set of uh, of uh, of snap ring pliers, but I, I I don't think it's the ones that you know somebody at at the you know the plant would have used to put this thing right. together with or something like that. So. There are there is another style of snap ring pliers out there that I'm thinking about getting just to you know have along the way because I, I just keep fighting I keep fighting a lot of these snap rings. Well, you waste and, a lot of time trying to keep that it really, ring from twisting. Seriously, yeah. It, it, when I'm spending a half hour, forty minutes trying to get one damn ring off, and, and it's just like, come on, you know this this shouldn't take me more than no. you know a few hours sitting down and and. You know, but it's just, I'm fighting every step of the way. You got to have just, good tools. It, it, well, it doesn't help either. I've got these, 
<laughs> instructions <laughs> from Novak that, I mean, they're not very good. I'm, I'm going to be brutally honest here, Novak. I love you guys and everything, but your directions just are not good. Um, and in most, most areas that I'm, that I'm dealing with here, I just go back to the factory service manual. It, it is so much better in describing procedures uh, the pictures, exploded diagrams, everything. There's just so much more better information uh, coming out of the factory service manual than than the directions that I got from Novak for using their rebuild kit. Now, a lot of the stuff in here, I think it's just that they have, you know, in-house experts that this is all they've ever done is transfer cases and transmissions, and these are you know high-end transmission techs basically that are that are writing this stuff up. And if any of you are ever familiar, I mean, it almost reads like the old uh, Chrysler Turbo Encabulator, uh, you know, thing that, that that went around for for years and years and years. If you guys don't know what the Turbo Encabulator is, it, it's a device to measure inverse reactive current in unilateral phase detractors with a display of percent realization. Its operation is very simple. It's based on the principle of power generation by the modal interaction of magno-reluctance and a capacitive directance, the Turbo vocabulary negates the relative motion of conventional conductors and fluxes. You guys know all about this sort of stuff. You know, technical people aren't always technical writers. So <laughs> it sounds like to me. It's a bunch of BS yeah. is what it is. Uh, the turbo encabulator is something that doesn't exist. And if you guys want a, a good chuckle, uh, head over to YouTube and just uh, type in Chrysler turbo encabulator. Uh, and the videos that you'll that will pop up will be uh, will be good for a good laugh. Uh, but no, this is it's just it, it's. I could almost do better without the instructions, honestly. Um, I'm, I'm just using these as reference at this point because I just go back to the factory service manual. Oh, now, I'm sure I was that, just that surprised you even looked at the directions. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say, what I'm is in it? Shock. What is it that you're getting from that? Because, uh, and you know, I know I got a problem with my 242, a reoccurring problem, and I have not read anything. And perhaps this is why. But what is it that you're looking at? Uh, well, on there? a lot of it is is okay. You're going to be using reusing this thrust washer, but you're not reusing this thrust washer. You're going to be pulling this part out of this bag and not out of this bag. But you make sure you, oh, you the parts, you know, of do this for yeah. I mean, the rebuild. I didn't buy just a chain. I bought an entire master rebuild kit for the NV242. Yeah, I did too. So it, it has everything right in it. It's not just a couple of bearings and a chain. It is every last little washer and ring and and everything. And it, there's new bearings in there and stuff as well. And so, I mean, I'm doing a full rebuild. If this was just a chain swap, then I would have been done a long time ago. Um, but no, this is this is I'm I'm essentially rebuilding the entire transfer case from scratch. If I can just suggest, why don't you just get an atlas? How dare you! <laughs> I don't have all that big Jeep talk show money coming in, you know. No, it's did, it, I, did it, I mention? Me, I would love, I would love to have an atlas, but my tax returns uh, don't don't uh, exactly warrant a, a purchase like that. So did, did I, 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 did I, I this is I the next getting... best thing, and and uh, I, I'll be making it work. Did I mention I'm getting an atlas? <laughs> I don't want to spend the money. I definitely don't. But I'm look really looking forward to not having a chain. <laughs> All right, Tammy. You know, I, I just want to mention something here really quick. I noticed the placement of your uh, a multitude of Jeep badges of honor on your Jeep is reminiscent of those little uh, uh, exhaust ports that people were putting on their cars on the sides, I, I, like a, for a turbo, not a turbocharger, 
a supercharger where it had the exhaust ports on the side. The way you arranged them, it just looks like you know ports coming out of the engine. I had no idea. Where where is Actually, this picture so I can I can see it and and it's and on it's also, on it's on social media. You'll never see it. Oh. <laughs> I can I can I can try to send it to oh, you. It's all good. Um, it's all good. Um, the reason <laughs> that they were rock. going that yeah, way, that's right. they were, they were, the reason they were going that way is because I had the big Jeep talk show sticker on at the time. Um, so I couldn't you go don't down now? at the time. No, I, what is now yes. no longer there? <gasps> no, because where's that fired thing you always say, Josh? I fired. have the Jeep. The Jeep talk show show stickers that. Um, She's getting nervous. The small no, the ones that I bought. <laughs> The smaller ones. Back well, little, because back little, back little. it's a Jeep Tyke <laughs> show. It's a, no, it's a Jeep Tyke show. Well, who tore the remember? who tore the sticker when they were putting on there? You were probably uh, sticking angry yeah. again. Yeah, I guess. Um, it wasn't speaking. I know. Uh, right. Speaking of badges, <laughs> I'm hosting my first ever trail ride this Saturday. What? Uh, Yes, it's Jeep Mama's Badge of Honor Trail Ride, and it's this Saturday. Um, so far, I have one, two, three, four, five, six Jeeps going. Um, and we're going to go to Flagpole in Virginia. It's the Flagpole Trail. And then we're going to head to Peter's Mill Run, which is a newly... Um, it's a new trail on the Jeep Badge of Honor app, and it's basically, it sounds like it's like a, a fire road trail, but it'll be fun. I can get another badge to put on my Jeep, but the trail that I'm kind of looking forward to is Flagpole, which is supposed to be have fabulous views in the mountains of Virginia, and it's something new that I haven't done yet, so... Um, a bunch of us are going to be hooking up Saturday morning and hitting the trails. So what they don't understand and what they don't realize, and I'm going to screw Tammy over here, they're all meeting at Tammy's house. So there's going to be an hour uh, that they have to sit and scrub underneath the uh, Tammy's Jeep, removing rust and putting yep. some of that, that rust stuff, the anti-rust stuff on it. And oh, then yeah, that- after that, they're going to be heading out to the trail. <laughs> no, actually, I... I um I'm hopefully I will have that stuff done and I will air my video on YouTube on what I found out um, on all that rust removal stuff. And I'll share it with you guys hopefully next week on the Wrangler talk section of the Jeep talk show. Did you Tammy? quick question for you? Do you, uh-huh. have you, have you been on flagpole before? Do you know about it? No, I have not. I mean, I know it's supposed, it's a pretty, it's not a hard trail. Um, it is a high wise. elevation. But yes, <laughs> I know. Though. I, I, I don't know I, if you know this or not. I mean, yes. it, it's basically on the very tippy top of a mountain. Yes, I know that. Okay. All right. Yeah. How many more so, people so is she going to deter from something wheeling? Something else uh, interesting. There, there's also a flagpole knob Jeep trail out in Gorge, Washington. That's just a, about a three, four hour drive from me uh, out in eastern Washington a little bit. Uh, kind of interesting that there's... There's a flagpole knob Jeep trail out here in the Northwest and a flagpole knob Jeep right. trail out in your neck of the woods. So yep. it's kind of interesting. Guess it's so now you got name. me nervous, John. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All she's up gonna, in your brain. She's All gonna up be, in your head. She's going to be cussing you in the video, Josh, <laughs> when she's out there. Get ready, Josh. Get ready for your name to be taken in vain. <laughs> So uh, I went ahead, you know, I, uh, I, didn't, I, you know, I don't know if I've mentioned it. I'm getting a, this Atlas two-speed, and it's going to require uh, some new drive shafts 
and uh, Tom Woods is going to be uh, uh, helping me out with uh, with the drive shafts. He's already helped me out with the, give me an idea of what I should go with. And one of the things that he recommended was getting a flange uh, on the back of the uh, the Atlas so that uh, I could basically bolt anything I wanted to drive shaft wise uh, in between it and the uh, uh, the the rear yoke. So uh, he recommended going with a 1350 uh, universal joints. And, uh, you know, if Tom Wood says go with that, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, so really. uh, even though the uh, the transfer case is several still several weeks out, I think it's only been like two weeks. Good God, it seems like six. But anyway, uh, I went ahead and ordered a, uh, uh, a new yoke, a 1350 yoke for the Chrysler eight and a quarter that I have. I uh, ordered that today and uh, it'll be in uh, next week. I think next next Thursday show night uh, it'll it'll be in. So uh, looking forward to that, and uh, it will be uh, it'll be fun to start getting the parts here. Now it's gonna be kind of ugly around here because I'm gonna have this bright new shiny transfer case that I can't do anything with because I don't have the right size uh, drive shafts, the right length drive shafts. So uh, and Josh, this you might be a good one to bounce this idea off of. I'm thinking, you know, do I leave my transfer case down for? I mean, my Jeep down for a week or so while I'm waiting for drive shafts to come in. Or do I uh, take the 242 out, put the Atlas uh, two-speed in, get my measurements, and put the 242 back in? What do you think? I mean, if it were me, I would not want to be out of my Jeep for as little as possible. Right. Um, so it, it's going to come down to how much work are you willing to put in. I mean, it, it's it's not super hard It's just time-consuming, and you got to have a couple of jacks with you, one to support the uh, the engine and the oil pan and, and the other one to kind of support the transfer case while you kind of jack it up into position. I mean, it's, yeah, you can kind of get it up on your back, you know, kind of get on your back and, and kind of push it up there from your belly and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it, if you want to go through the work, you'll definitely have your Jeep back in, in, in running order. But man, that's a lot of transfer case work on and off. So you think it'd be better just to uh, put the transfer case in, get the measurements and, uh, then, uh, then wait on it. I mean, I, I can drive the TJ. I just hate putting my wife out with not having a vehicle to, to drive. Uh, my yeah, daughters have vehicles, so there's always something, but I just hate keep taking her vehicle. Now, when I say better, I don't, I don't know if that it would be better. It just less work. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, if, if, if you got the gumption to do it, you know, I'd say go for it, man. Uh, um, but uh, you know, you're that essentially three transfer case installs. Yeah, no, there's no, there's no gumption here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're gonna have to chug yourself uh, one of those rock stars or Red Bulls or something like that, and uh, and just buckle down and, and, and get to it. Otherwise, uh, yeah, I think. Uh, well, I, mean, I suppose the other option would be to rent a car for a week uh, or, no, or so. But no, oh, that would cost him more money. Are you kidding? No. Well, apparently he's that. made of it. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, I checked my credit card before I decided to buy the uh, the transfer case. So there you go. Uh, I think I do it the way most people do it. Like, How much credit card do I have left? Mm-hmm. Eh, I can get that. You know, I started pricing out a Dana 44 uh, front, and uh, I was real happy to see that it was only like, you know, two grand. And I thought, you know, for a Dana 44, that's really nice with, with all these amenities and lockers and so on and so forth. And then I saw some drop downs, and I started adding in uh, axle shafts, uh, lockers, yoke. Uh, or not lockers, but locker yoke, and I think it was up to five grand before I closed I the say, uh, yeah. before I closed the window very quickly. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, that, that's not going to be anything done anytime soon. 
But I am thinking about this uh, this being a new round of uh, upgrades uh, for the Jeep. But, uh, you know, I think what I'm going to do first and foremost is get the uh, transfer case in there, get it all working. Uh, I'm just so looking forward to having those twin sticks sitting right there, right by the T-handle of the AW4 and uh, uh, doing some front-wheel drive only, doing some uh, real wheel well, wheel drive only. And the, the cool thing, and I don't know how handy it will be, but just to be able to go into uh, two-wheel drive low. So I'll uh, actually be able to, you know, pull something that maybe I'm not off-road, although I probably would rather have the traction. Uh, but, of course, the next thing we'll be do, to do would be to get those uh, stinking ADA, uh, um, ARB lockers installed. I was going to say, once you get your rear end locked up, you will find that three-quarters of your trail use will be in two-wheel low. Well, that's interesting. I never thought about I, that. I wheel with guys that 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 are running similar setups, you know, or they they can they or they have the uh, the Terra two low uh, kit inside the transfer case, and right. they're able to, to to use that. And seriously, I mean, they they might put it into four low in only the most extreme cases. Yeah, that's kind of what I like to do. I mean, uh, cruising around in uh, full time four wheel drive is what I was normally doing, and and they uh, the people in the party that were with me, they would go. Tony, put that in uh, four-wheel drive, uh, uh, part-time four-wheel drive. What's wrong with you? And I'd say, well, you know, yeah. if I don't need it, why, you know, why do I have to make the the it's turns and the stress and everything on the transfer? Load case? on it's, the engine primarily, but yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. Anyway, I, I really love the idea of having more control uh, of things and you know, more levers and buttons and things that go buzz. It's just going to be lots of fun. <laughs> Hey, do you guys want to join in on the campfire side chat? We'd love to have you here around the fire. Just go over to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find all the ways that you guys can reach out to us and join in on the fun. And now we're going to talk about some events that are coming up in your neck of the woods and around the nation. Now, we got May just around the corner, and there's a lot of ha- there's a lot happening in May for the annual Go Topless Day, which is a spring tradition in the Jeep world when we celebrate the return of warm weather and a sense of fun and adventure that comes with owning a Jeep by, well, going topless, taking the top off. And if you want to find an event near you, well, we're going to have a link on the show notes for this episode on our website uh, and it basically just head over to allthingsjeep.com slash go topless day. And, uh, well, you guys will be able to find an event celebrating this near you. And we actually have an interview coming up here in the very near future with Gene from All Things Jeep. And we'll be able to talk a little bit more about the annual go topless day, where it came from. And of course, how do you can get involved in all of that as well. And, uh, well, speaking of May, we had a Michael P. May uh, right into the show, and he says, we are having our first annual Jeep Fest located in Eleanor, West Virginia. The event is on May 4th, 5th, and 6th. I was told by Chris at RPM Extreme that you guys can do some advertising for us. Well, our website is eleanorjeepfest.com. What do I need to do to get this set up? (laughs) Nothing. Michael did exactly what he needed to do to get his event on the Jeep Talk Show and get us talking about it. And if you guys want to know more about this event, all you have to do is head over to eleanorjeepfest.com. This looks like it's going to be one heck of an event. They're going to have a parade, a show and shine, an obstacle course, a bunch of trail rides, of course, music, food, a ton of vendors, a huge raffle, door prizes. That means a bunch of people are going to win some stuff, bonfires, camping. There's so much more. This is really going to be a true Jeep Fest, and it sounds like it's going to be a blast. So if you're in West Virginia, you want to go check it out, well, head over to eleanorjeepfest.com. And thanks, Michael May, for writing in. 
We also have Big Dog Off-Road presenting Mud Bunnies Going Topless Weekend. Oh, that sounds like a lot of fun. This is happening also for the Go Topless Weekend, uh, May 18th through the 20th, at the Big Dogs Off-Road in Gore, Virginia. Uh, this is a fully, they have the fully caged rollover Jeep. They're going to have food vendors, hot showers, electrical campsites, a sandy beach, 600-yard shooting range, <laughs> 3,000-foot drop in total trail elevation, four large mountains, three large lakes. Yeah, I think they might have a little something for everybody. All big dog events benefit the Humane Society, ASPCA, BARC's Animal Rescue Center, and the Gore Volunteer Fire Department. So a lot of good causes going on right there, guys. Go check them out, bigdogsoffroad.com. We also have the Cal Four Wheel and Genrite presenting the High Desert Roundup happening May 25th and May 27th at the Slash X Ranch Cafe off Highway 247 in Barstow, California. Come on out for a whole weekend of wheeling, amazing vehicles, games, and a ton of family fun. So far, just on the Facebook page for this event, there are well over 100 other Jeepers confirmed going and another, well, about 1,000 that are interested. <laughs> so this is kind of a big deal, guys. This event helps support keeping the off-road trails in California open. So it's really important that if you live in the Golden State, you guys come out and support the hobby and passion you have with your fellow 4x4 lovers out on the trails. Now, we'll have a uh, link to this event uh, on the show notes for this episode over at jeeptalkshow.com as well. Now, this is a cool one happening outside the country, the fifth annual Jeepapalooza 2018, happening May 18th through the 21st in Courtenay, B.C., Canada. All proceeds from this event are going to the B.C. Cancer Foundation to help their efforts in finding a cure for cancer. For more information on this, head over to Jeep, jeepapaloozabc.com, just like it sounds, guys, Jeepapalooza bc.com and don't forget about the uh, ada aquartis media shower happening the night of may 6th the perfect excuse to get your jeep out into the wilderness at night pretty cool huh aquartis yeah i guess that is boy you know your ability to pronunciate things is just amazes me Hey, do you guys know of an off-road event coming up? We'd love to hear from you. Shoot us an email with some details. Have you been to a Jeep event recently? Well, you got to tell us how it went. Just go over to our contact page at jeeptalkshow.com slash contact and find out all the ways you can reach out to us. Hey, folks, and don't forget to follow me along in my Jeep journey at my blog on www.jeepmama.com. And for professional voiceover services, well, if you need a voice for your product or your business, check me out over at thevoiceofjosh.com. That's it for this week, guys. Until next week, be sure to follow, friend, like, subscribe, and above all else, be sure to tell a friend about the one and only Jeep Talk Show. So no matter where you're wheeling, if you pack it in, pack it out, and don't wheel where you're not supposed to. Remember to always tread lightly. If you'd like to learn more about the Tread Lightly principles and how you can help keep our trails and public lands open for off-road use, head over to www.treadlightly.org. Warning, the Jeep Talk Show is performed by trained professionals on a close course in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> Podcasting since 2010.